History is stories. But not all stories are history. Sometimes, when we like a certain version of events, those are the ones we repeat. If we repeat them often enough, they become history, whether they happen that way or not. Consider a girl, one Sarah Lockwood Pardee, the belle of New Haven, Connecticut, an upper middle class girl who married into wealth. We know her as Sarah Winchester, but we only think we know her story. I'm Tracy S. Morris, and I'm not making this up, although the owners of the Winchester house might be. Here's the story we all think we know. Sarah Winchester lost her husband and baby daughter. In her distraught state, she consulted with the medium who told her that the ghosts of all the people killed by Winchester rifles had taken the lives of her family and would soon be after her. Now, considering that the Winchester rifle is known as the gun that won the West, that's a lot of ghosts. The only way to save herself was to build a home for all those spirits. So Sarah moved to California, bought a farmhouse, and turned it from an eight-room dwelling to a 200-plus room mansion. Construction continued night and day without ceasing for the remainder of Sarah's life. Meanwhile, she filled the house with features designed to confuse the spirits, such as a staircase that went nowhere, doors that opened into walls or into multi-story drops, skylights that opened into enclosed rooms, and dead-end hallways. And every night, she held a seance in a special room where the spirits gave her instructions on what to build the next day. You know, the spirits she was trying to confuse, the ones who wanted to kill her. So that's the folklore. But the reality doesn't quite make such a neat little story. Sarah Winchester did lose a newborn child. And 15 years later, she lost her father-in-law and then her husband, William, in the span of a year. Their deaths made her the heiress to the Winchester Firearms Fortune and one of the wealthiest women in the world. In today's money, she made about $26,000 a month. The stories would have you believe she was a lonely hermit. But when she moved to San Jose, she was accompanied by her sister and a niece. That niece would be her lifelong companion and would be one of the primary beneficiaries of Sarah's fortune when she passed on. Sarah probably chose the San Jose area because it was near the Bay Area, where a lot of her party relatives had settled during the gold rush. During Sarah's lifetime, one of her cousins would be elected governor of California. Sarah bought an orchard with a farmhouse on it, probably with the intention of running a hobby farm. Not many people remember that she was an innovator in the fruit growing business during this time. Then she started renovating her eight room farmhouse. Now, an animal hoarder doesn't start out with plans to become the crazy cat lady. First they collect one pet, and then another, and then it snowballs. Sarah Winchester was like that with her house. Imagine a Pinterest mom with an unlimited budget, no architectural training, and nobody to tell her to stop. 
Imagine all that and you might have Sarah Winchester. The oddities of the Winchester house can be explained thanks in part to Winchester building the house piecemeal with no unifying plan. Skylights open into interior rooms, stairs go nowhere, windows are walled up because Winchester had new rooms built over existing spaces without changing those existing spaces to match. In one spot, a chimney stops just short of the roof because Winchester gave a carpenter and a bricklayer conflicting instructions. At its height, both physically and metaphorically, the house had over 200 rooms. So Sarah can be forgiven for not keeping better track of what she was building over. As recently as 1975, the house's current owners found a room that had been walled up and forgotten. There were reports of an attic room found in 2016, but this was a case of media outlets misreading a press release. In 1906, the famous San Francisco earthquake rearranged the architecture like a Hogwarts moving staircase. The house had been seven stories tall prior to the earthquake, but then the top three stories collapsed after the quake. Now, Winchester didn't bother to fix this damage, but not because she felt the spirits were angered by her vanity or something like that. More likely, the prospect of re-renovating her now less than 200-room monstrosity was just too overwhelming. Remember, she's getting up there in years by this point, and she suffered from debilitating arthritis. So, um, she just, this was probably more than she just wanted to deal with. Workmen patched what they could, but Sarah's enthusiasm for the building project was definitely on the wane. This may be why some doors open into nothing, while others open into walls. The damage was simply boarded up and left. Now, Sarah herself spent less and less time at her farmhouse-turned-mansion. Instead, she preferred to go and visit family in Oakland and, you know, in the valley. When she died, she left the property to several servants, family members, and charities, including the niece that I'd mentioned. No one really wanted that white elephant of a house, so they sold the farm piece by piece and then the house. Where once there were acres and acres of Sarah's grapefruit trees, now there's a trailer park on one side of the house and a Z-Rustery retro-futuristic movie theater on the other. A couple of carnival workers, John and Mame Brown, leased and then promptly bought the property with the intention of turning it into an attraction. If they hadn't, the old house might be a run-down shopping mall or some other relic of abandoned rusty urban sprawl by now. Mame was the house's first tour guide, and it's probable that she inflated some of the already existing folklore about, quote, crazy Sarah Winchester, end quote. Tour guides nowadays point out that a lot of the stories were just rumors and aren't really based in fact. But at the time, it made for a really good story. This also explains some of the architectural oddities that Sarah's staff say weren't there when she was alive, like 13 coat hooks in the seance room. They were added after the fact to bolster some of the rumors. Today, the Winchester Mystery House is operated by a trust on behalf of the Brown family. Even though the mansion's not haunted, probably, it's still worth a visit. As you walk in through the carriage house and look at the upside-down support post, think about this. The house you're standing in is a type of bank. Sarah Winchester poured her reputation, time, 
considerable wealth into it. And now the Brown family takes their income from it, P.T. Barnum style, by selling us a story that we know is partly smoke and glitter, but we don't mind buying the lie. Do you know why most movie companies don't advertise their films once they hit theaters? It's because word of mouth is so powerful it trumps any slick advertising campaign. Now, this is normally the point of the podcast where I ask you to leave a review. But instead, I'll ask that if you like the podcast, just tell a friend. Whatever way you'd like. Share it on Facebook, talk about it on Reddit, share on Tumblr, or even impress your friends around the water cooler with your weird history knowledge. It's all good. Just help people find the podcast. For more bizarre stories I didn't make up and some that I did, go to my website, tracysmorris.com. I post a new podcast on the first and third Monday of each month and a written history story on all the other Mondays. You can also keep up with me through my newsletter. I send out an original short story designed to make you laugh and fill you with wonder every month. If you want a good laugh right now, why not purchase my book, Bride of Tranquility? A murder mystery set in a haunted hotel during a Renaissance wedding. It's available on Amazon, through Yard Dog Press, or Bain Books. And if you have an improbable history topic you'd like me to cover, please drop me an email at author at tracysmorris.com. <laughs>